What's up, everybody? Ben back here for another episode of The Spotlight. And this time around, I'm welcoming uh, somebody I've known for a long time, third time, three time guest to The Spotlight, musician Pete Mitchell. I love having Pete on because Pete is somebody I just, I love engaging in conversation. We, every time I have him on, we find out more and more how much we have in common. And that always makes for great conversation. And I wanted to have Pete on this time uh, for a, mo- a number of reasons. One, again, he's just fun to have on. Two, he's got a new album out. So, uh, of course, I-, I wanted to have him on to promote the album as I have had in the past for past albums as well. But we're, we're living in a pandemic world right now. And, you know, being a creative type like he is, I wanted to engage with him about what it's like during these times to be that kind of person in particular an introvert an introverted person introverted creative type in during this pandemic so we dive a lot into that and i this you know this entire new season has been in the midst of the pandemic it's made things very challenging uh and and kind of awkward at times as well but very interesting to be able to dive into this with the guests that I've had so far in this season. Uh, and Pete, we we dive deeper into it than I have with any other guest of this season. So uh, I really did enjoy that. And this has been one of my favorite episodes so far of the season uh, with Pete and getting to talk about this. Because again, we both have a lot in common. So to to be able to ga- engage with Pete about this was, it was just a joy. So um I want you guys to to listen to this one, and please let me know what you think. Uh, reach out to me on social media, whether it be Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, at The Spotlight NXT. Message me on any of those. Give me some feedback from this episode if you enjoyed it, and let me know what you thought. Um, I'm going to kick this episode off with a song from Pete's new album. Uh, this song is called um, Burned by the Sun. It's the lead track on the album. We get to dive into the album a little bit, so uh, into, the, into the conversation, so... Uh, I'll leave the details for that part of the podcast. And we uh, there's another song from a previous album that Pete and I tend to go back to and mention a couple times in this conversation. Uh, a song called Zombie Me, which uh, you'll hear us talk about that as well. So I'm going to start the podcast off with Burned by the Sun from the new album. And then we're going to roll out of the conversation with Zombie Me from one of Pete's previous albums, which uh, both are great songs, very tonally different. You'll hear that as you listen. So um, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Please enjoy this conversation uh, with musician Pete Mitchell. These dreams of our 
Hey there, this is Jimmy Simpson. Hello, this is Brad Sherwood. Hi, this is Claire Coffey. This is Andy Daly. Hey there, this is Kevin Duran. Hi, I'm Chris Parnell. Hey, this is DJ Fine. Hey y'all, this is David Hoffman. You are listening to Level Have Fun. All right, guys, my guest in the spotlight this time around is somebody who's no stranger to this podcast. He is actually on a very short list of people who have been on this podcast three times. Um... I think the only other people on that list with him are Colin Mockery and Brad Sherwood from Whose Line Is It Anyway? So he's in good company on that list. Uh, but I love having him on. We always get the geek out, and I always love an opportunity to talk about his new projects, and that's exactly what we're going to do this time. He's a musician based out of California, formerly of the band No More Kings, now doing his solo stuff. Please welcome back to the podcast, Mr. Pete Mitchell. <laughs> Man, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, man, it's... It's weird. Like I, I launched them in my sixth season of this podcast now. I know you've been on it twice before. You you remember, I think the first time you were on, I did have a partner in yes. all of this. My buddy yes. Adam, who's 
no longer with the podcast. Now it's just me. Let's not tell Adam. I actually kind of like it better that way. Oh, um, <laughs> it's, it's nothing against Adam. I just prefer the one-on-one. I was just saying, it'd be hard actually to have two interviewers and one and one uh, guest. That'd be hard. Yeah. So I mean, like I've I've broken into moderating at conventions and things like that. So to have one person moderating multiple people is a lot easier than having multiple people moderate one person. Totally. Yeah. So, but I mean, yeah, the the, the podcast has continued on. Like I said, sixth season, and it's rather unfortunate that this season, this sixth season, has taken place entirely in a pandemic which has made things rather interesting. Yeah. What a weird time capsule, too, to look back on later. Yeah. You know, to listen to this season specifically and say, wow, that's what was going on. Yeah. I mean, I can't even say, like, you know, I started before the pandemic, and then you could listen as the pandemic progressed as we went through. Like, I'm full, we were full-blown into the pandemic by the time this season launched. Wow. And it, it seems like you can tell because every guest I've talked to, and I'll, I'm going to ask you the same question. The, I always start the conversation with how are you keeping up during this pandemic? <laughs> nice. You well, know? it's funny, man. I, I almost feel ashamed to say this because I know there are a lot of people that are struggling. Um, my life stayed exactly the same. I am a shut in. <laughs> I only go out when I have to go to Taco Bell. So like for me, I mean, nothing changed. This just got, almost easier because I have fewer obligations now. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. don't have to commit to going out and meeting friends now. Totally. No, totally. <laughs> I mean, it's weird. I was just thinking about that the other day. I was thinking, I'm a weird guy. Like, I don't, I love people. I really do. And I have a lot of great friends and I love, I, you know, I love interacting with people. I get a lot of energy from that. But I also would prefer in most cases to just be by myself making something. And when I'm hanging out, after a while, my, my meter starts to go, hey, it's time to go make something, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I'm the, I'm the same exact way. Like I'm a total, I, I like to tell my friends I'm an extroverted introvert. Like I, That's if, if, if I get to a party, I will totally interact and talk to everybody there, but it takes a lot just to get me out of the house yeah. to get to that party. Yeah. And you're spending energy on the people and then you go home to recharge. I yeah. think I've heard, I've heard it described that way. Like it's not about whether you're good in, in crowds or not. It's about where you get your energy from. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So yeah, I, I feel you totally. I'm the same exact way. But I mean, my life kind of hasn't changed too much either. I'm still doing the podcasting, which is great because that's yep. done from home anyway. I know that's uh, what's cool. I mean, and I was make I quit my office job, you know, my nine to five, like two years ago to pursue wow. other things. And, you know, my a lot of my income is a lot of side jobs. I do door dashing sure. and things like that. And that hasn't changed. I'm still Right. The, on, the only thing that's changed is I'm wearing a mask and using hand sanitizer more often. I mean, you're when- probably more busy now because of it, right? Like, mm-hmm. I know that, that that's the one. It's funny. Again, like I said, I feel bad for the people that were hugely impacted negatively by this. But there's a lot of, it's just a shift. When things like this happen, it's, it's almost like energy can be created or destroyed, just transfers from one form to another. You know what I mean? Like, the jobs just move. More people are working delivery, you know, like. Amazon like tripled its delivery force like yeah you know what I mean like things so some people I don't know this is a shift I guess yeah I, I I totally see that as well and you know you're one of the perfect people to ask about this too in that one of the things I've noticed about everything that's been going on with this is like yes there's been there's a major disconnect in the country the country seems divided when it comes to political things and such <sighs> But, but one of the things I have noticed is that where there's bad, there's also been some good. And it yes. makes me realize there's been a huge creative creativity boom yes. 
because people have to find those. They've been yes. forced to find the new ways to be creative. I totally agree with that. And in times of crisis in the past, historically, um, that's what people need. We need stories. We mm-hmm. need, uh, you know, we need things to connect to our humanity and, and show that we're more alike than we are different. And I think stories and art and music are, are great ways to, to have that happen. And I think you're right. It's sad that we're so divided now. And I, I remember reading this online because, you know, I, I fell into the trap of thinking that this is a new thing. And then I realized that there was a point where our country literally fought itself over divisive ideas. Mm-hmm. So this is not different. This is how humans are always like that. We always form A groups and B groups. And, and that sucks, but it's kind of the way of, of humanity. And, and I think, you know, uh, there are things about the internet that make that certainly worse in the sense that, or that facilitate that division, you know, like when you have Facebook only feeding you stuff you already believe, you create a hardcore confirmation bias. Yeah. And then you're, you're not prepared to do, because you remember like in the 90s, like you get into a political argument or a religious debate with somebody and you would go, oh, that's interesting. That's that you see at this play. Here's how I see it. And it was civil and you were able to like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, now they're like, cancel, ban, you're done. I'm done talking to you. <laughs> yeah. There were, there were, there were actual like lively debates. And when I say lively, I don't mean angry. I mean like oh. actual people giving intelligent thought behind everything. Right. But, you know, again, the same thing where, where there's good with social media, there's bad with social media and that there's so much misinformation out there. Totally. And to the point where with algorithms, when it comes to social media, with Facebook and things like that, you're right. You're only fed what you already believe. Yeah. And so then you have no new tools to, to uh, interact with somebody. So when you're, confronted with something you have the six things that you've been taught to say mm-hmm. as a response and it's just canned yeah it gets really sad yeah i mean and I'm, I'm i'm totally guilty of the same thing i mean i'm guilty of you know i'm i'm setting i don't want to say i'm setting my beliefs because i will absolutely listen to a difference of opinion as long as it's given to me respectfully um you know and over the course of everything that's been going on you know that's everything that's been politically driven i've lost friends but i've gained new ones and it's a weird dichotomy that we're in that it's just all of that stuff is happening in the midst you know of a pandemic. Yeah, I agree. And maybe that's why I think, yeah. um, you know, not why, but like that exacerbates it's for sure. You know, oh, absolutely. But one of the, one of the things I think is interesting about that. I feel like a lot of these um, friendships that break or these conversations that are so heated over social media would never happen in person because there's this weird sense when you put a screen between you and me, I feel, or just when it's just text and I'm typing, there's an anonymity. It's almost road rage, right? Like Mm -hmm. I don't know the driver in front of me, but I'm so angry with him. But if we were both at a restaurant and I had to actually speak to him, you know, I would never say the things I was, you know what I mean? I wouldn't flip them off. I wouldn't be all so mean. There's a respect. There's a face-to-face respect that's kind of lost. Well, there's consequences too, right? Like I say something and like, I've just hurt the person's feelings and I see it. And you have Mm -hmm. to be a complete jerk to be able to do that with impunity, you know, yeah. but online you can do that. You don't see how they react. You get to spout your, you know what I mean? So I think, I, I guess my point is there's a lot of, it, it's not an accurate representation of how we really interact because mm-hmm. online interactions are a, a crazy thing on their own. Yeah. I mean, and, and trolling and like typing tough yep. guys have existed for years. Totally. It's just now it's amplified. Totally. And it's, and they're the loud ones. Cause like people, most people, I don't know if you're this way, like, I would, I would never write something negative on the internet. Like no matter what I felt, I'd go and like complain to my friends. Like, Oh my God, I read this thing, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't engage in that. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm absolutely, so, I'm absolutely guilty of putting negative. Oh, right up. Really? Uh, yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay. 
not hey, there's nothing wrong with that man i'm not saying it's bad not to, yes you are it's fine um <laughs> you know not i don't mean like directed at people that i know but i mean like negative as far as like things that our president has said and, and oh no that's easy yeah no i agree yeah. with you there no that's I mean, different that's almost like you're putting a flag in the ground saying like i'm not part of this crap yeah I'm I cool mean, with that. But there there have also been times too where like I, I like to show my support. Like I've put on I've put online, like I don't care who you are, what your sexual orientation is, your race or anything, I support you. And you know That's I, awesome. I show my support for my friends and people that I don't know, but at the same time, there have also been times where I have gone I've gotten very heated on a topic. I've put out a number of posts and I've literally had to sit back, take a look at my profile and be like, Okay, I gotta calm it down. All yeah, this is this what I want to be known for? Yeah, like no, but I, dude, I think that I think that's different though. I think what you're talking about is the, is still good. You're passionate. You're work. You're fired up about stuff. I'm talking about personal attacks. I'm talking about people. Um, oh yeah, uh, at, yeah. At people, I've, I've never had a personal attack on on anybody. Like even even politicians. The only the only politician I've personally attacked is obviously our president. Well, yeah, because he's but, not really even a human. I think he's. <laughs> I think the, no, I think I re- I made this realization the other day, and I'm not to get too political in here, but. Um, I think he's the Edgar suit from Men in Black. I think he's Vincent D'Onofrio in an alien body because he's, he doesn't fit. He's not like in, I don't know. I feel like he's like not really, he doesn't know what it means to be human. He's trying, he's trying to do some gestures and some things. And it's like he's it, operating in this mechanical suit. It, it's like everything he said, he's learned from television. Totally. You totally. know, it's, it's exactly, I, I like this that. I, I like that analogy, the Edgar suit. That, that <laughs> he's works. the Edgar suit. But I mean, as far as like the creativity boom that's happened, I mean, you look at even television shows and concerts and like musicians who have done things and they've even changed their ways. I mean, you had Parks and Rec did the quarantine episode, you know, where they did everything via Zoom. Other oh, wow. television shows have followed, um, you know, you have con- you have well, the late night shows are doing it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, late night uh, last week tonight, is John Oliver. And and it's like to your point earlier about like sometimes these things bring out the best in people like. It's easy to do the show the way you've always done the show, right? And to mm-hmm. just kind of do a thing. Like if you're Jimmy Fallon, you just do it. You do your thing. You do your shtick. But then this happens and you have no choice. So you start letting people film from home and suddenly this whole creative world opens up of really fun ways you can, you can interact and manage that you never would have thought of had you not been forced to. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, and you look at musicians too. I mean, there's a number of bands out there that I've seen where they've actually all performed their individual parts from home <coughs> via Zoom so smart. and put it together as a song that they just freely release. It's so smart. Media. We have the technology to do that so easily now. Why not take advantage of that? I'm hoping, what I'm hoping is some of that stuff sticks even when we got back to normal, get back. Absolutely. To I, I agree with you 100%. I mean, because it gives people the opportunity to experience things they wouldn't have yet been able to experience, whether it be financially or things like that. Uh, you know, like Dave Matthews, I'm a huge fan of Dave Matthews and I've seen him over 40 times live in concert, uh, but I've enjoyed, I know I, it's kind of an obsession, oh, that's um, awesome. but I mean, it's, it's also the same thing. I've enjoyed just as, as much as I love being out there and being part of the crowd and listening to it live. I've loved just as much all these simple hour long acoustic sets he's done from his living room. Oh man. I think that would even be cooler on some level. Yeah. Or both. No, you need both. I think you need both. Yeah. I mean, and like, I know like this isn't something you and I've had the opportunity to talk about, but I've, since the last time we've talked, I've been working with partners to put together a a convention, a pop culture convention. And we were literally set. We were just about to announce our first dates for this September, right before the pandemic hit. And then the pandemic hit and all of our plans got scrapped. 
Yeah. So now we're pushed out to at least September of next year, which is fine. Like we, we're going to bide our time. We're going to take, we're going to be patient and wait to see what sure. happens. But at the same time, we have a meeting this week to go virtual with our convention. Oh, wow. You know, virtual pat, like the, the, the idea of doing panels with celebrity guests where we don't have to pay for travel or Dude, putting them up in a perfect. hotel. Yeah. Well, and it's not restrictive of the people that can attend too, mm -hmm. because for the same reason, people have to pay for travel and get there, get the time off of work, but it's still, you get the benefit of a focused time period with the, all the stuff that matters to that, you know, group of people yeah. being able to watch panels, being able to interact with people, being able to like, that's, I, I'm into it, man. I'm into it. Like if, if there was a version of E3 that was all online, I could just tune in and see what Sony was announcing. Like, I think that would be. Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at Comic-Con, San Diego Comic-Con is doing everything from home. I See? mean, they're, they're I've been to a few regular in-person Comic-Cons and I rather, would rather see it from home. I'm, I'm the same exact way. The only reason why I really attend Comic-Cons anymore is because I get to moderate panels. So that's, <laughs> oh, that's cool. Like, so I've been in front of audiences like upwards to like 500 to 1,000 people at cons wow. all the time, and I love it. And actually, funny enough, today is the one-year anniversary of the last time I got the moderate, and I hate that it's been that long. Yeah, uh, but again, it's not your fault. The world kind of ended. Exactly. But I mean, you know, going virtual with, with our event is an opportunity to one for me to continue to do that, which I still... I mean, it, when you think about it, conversations in a podcast is technically moderating. I right. just don't know exactly what our audience is. I know what's a good audience. I don't know exact numbers. No, that's a good point. It's different. It's different. You're, you're sort of shouting into the void and hoping it's being received versus. Yeah. Whereas, whereas a virtual convention, one, I get to continue. I get to go back to moderating with celebrity guests. People who would not have yet had the opportunity to see those celebrity guests now get to because they can do it from the comfort of their own home. Yep. And our audience most likely will be even bigger. Because I mean, you could do that with your podcast, I bet. Oh, yeah. That might be a fun way. Like, maybe not all the time, but every once in a while, I have a special episode that's filmed live in front of a studio audience. You that know? would be kind of cool, though, actually. That would be cool. So, uh, let's talk about the album. Because um, yes. we can geek out about pop culture. I mean, and we'll I know, probably right? go back to that after we're done talking about the album, to be honest. Yeah, we should. Uh, but, you know, so you, you released the new album in Measured Hundred Weight, which is, I believe, is it your, your fourth solo album? So this is actually my only my second. It's my second solo okay. album. So I did three albums with No More Kings. Two that's right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's why. It's, that's why it seems like. Yeah. yeah I've got yeah. six albums out as a human, but um, three of them were with No More Kings. Then I did my first solo album, Diamond Head, mm -hmm. and then I did a duo album with my friend uh, Bill. Which I still piano. love that album. You love that one? Yeah. I love that well, one too. That was the last time I had you on. Was we talked about oh, that's that right. album? Music on Mars. That's right. Okay. I forgot we had, I got a chance to talk about that. I um. I decided with Bill that I think that's something I want to do kind of yearly. I feel like I don't even care if it does well. That's just so fun to do, to take 10 songs that I love and try to imagine them in a very interesting new way. So I, I want that to be – so we're actually talking about the songs to do for the next one. We've, we did um, Welcome Back, Cotter. As okay. Like really cool yeah, because you, you did Moving On Up on the last album. Yes. And I, I think we talked about that last time, how great it would be for you to just do like your own interpretation, a whole album of just your own interpretation of television theme songs. Yep. Yep. Yeah. We had actually, it's funny. Yeah. We, we had definitely talked about that because I had a really cool acoustic guitar version of the, um, uh, punky Brewster's theme song. Okay. But I made it like minor key and weird and creepy. And mm -hmm. it was awesome. So we're thinking about that anyway. Um, so yeah, so we did, uh, um, Welcome Back Cotter, but it didn't make it on the album. We didn't finish it in time. So we were like, like well, that's a head start on the next one, you know? Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah. So definitely want to do that more, more often. So, so, so those all happened. Those five albums happened. And then this one was my 
uh, next solo album. But the, the, the reason that this is significant to me in Measure 100 Weight is it's the first time that I produced my own album. Okay. Every, every other album in the past, I've either used Neil or Bill. I've, I've worked with a producer. So I would, you know, I would just show up and, and I don't know. It was, it's, it's a totally different experience when you're not playing anything on the album. You're just singing, you know, mm-hmm. writing the songs and then singing. Um, but this time, yeah, I produced, I produced everything. I played everything myself. And then I was lucky enough to have Neil from No More Kings uh, mix it, which is yeah. great because he's been mixing my voice basically for two decades, you know, so like no one gets how to get the best sound out of me than him. Better than know? he does. Yeah. 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 And so I was really thankful that he agreed to do that. Um, I love what, what he did with it. But yeah, so the interesting thing to me about Measure Hundred Weight was like, so I wrote that album three years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. No, yeah. With no sense that a pandemic was going to hit. And how real it feels now. Crazy. With how, how, what's the, like, I'm trying to think of the words. It's how, uh, yeah, I mean, it, real is really the only, is, I yeah. think it's the best word to No, it's true. It. it was like oddly prophetic, <laughs> not on purpose, because it was just, you know, I always love apocalyptic stuff. That's probably why I'm so into zombies and zombie movies and stuff. But mm-hmm. I had a friend the other day that was, he was playing one of the zombie songs from No More Kings for his daughter. And she's like, wait, I've heard this one. And he's like, no, no, you heard the other zombie song. He's like, wait, how many zombie songs does he have? <laughs> and my friend was like, well, three. And he's like, you know, some bands have none. So... <laughs> I want to see if I, so I know you, uh, zombie me, obviously, yep. uh, they're coming to get you, Barbara. Yep. And then, Oh, wait, hold on. Give me a second. Let's see if I you can figure it. out the third one. Um, it, Oh, I know. I know it because I've listened. I've heard every one of, I have all of your albums and, Oh, it's, it's going to bug me. What is it? It's the living dead. That's it. That's it. <laughs> that's right. Yep. And we actually have two versions of zombie me too. So technically I guess you could say we've got four recordings of zombie songs, but mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that's always good. Too. Thank you. <laughs> but my, my point in saying that is that like, I wasn't, I, I've always been interested in like post-apocalyptic themes. And the reason I wrote in Measure Hundred Weight actually was a reaction to the movie Logan, the James Mangold film, Logan, uh, the Wolverine movie, mm-hmm. because there was something, it was, it was sort of like a, a Western post-apocalyptic Western kind of vibe, but with superheroes still, you know, like still with featuring his X-Men characters. Um, and it's so gritty, and so you've seen the movie, I'm sure, right? Oh, it's, I love the movie. I think it's, it's one of the best Marvel movies that they've put out there that's not I part totally of the agree. MCU. Right, I totally agree. And I'm actually a little sad that it's not, although I'm a little glad that it's future, because clearly I would still want to... I, they could put some more in there if they wanted to. Yeah, they can, yeah. Get, they can bridge the gap, get us there. Um, so yeah, after I left that, th- I watched it five times in the theater, and I was like blown away by it, and, and the, that that Johnny Cash song, the man comes around at the end fits. I've heard the song a million times, but for some reason in the context of that film, it was so haunting and perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I decided to cover that song first. And then I made like a little, um, did I, I feel like, did I tell you all this already? Am I repeating? I don't think so. Okay. Um, okay. I, th- I think you've posted about this on your maybe. Facebook page and maybe we've commented back and forth. I, I feel like you and I have Facebook specifically page. talked about some of this. That's why I'm afraid I'm repeating myself, but if you're okay with it. No, it's fine. Cause it hasn't been on the podcast. So it's, okay, it, it's been on social media. So it's fine. Okay, good. Um, so yeah, so, so I uh, did this cover of The Man Comes Around and I did all these weird like acoustic noises hitting and scraping guitar, like all just weird stuff that I ended up keeping as like a sample pack. And I released like this little sample pack of all the noises and sounds and vocal oohs and ahs and weird, you know, reversed audio that I made to specifically to make that one song. 
And then I was like, wait, can I make another song with my own sample pack? Like that would be a great way to show that this is even useful. Mm -hmm. So I did, and I came up with what was what became Burned by the Sun, the first track on the album. Made, made almost exclusively from the from that sample pack, and then I just added some more stuff. And anyway, that led to another song, led to another song, and so I ended up, you know, writing this this full uh, LP, kind of based off. And, and then the lyrics are not about Wolverine. No, but, no they're not. <laughs> no. But you know, it's funny that you bring up the lyrics too, because one of the things I w I did want to bring up is, you know, I've I've listened through the album a number of times. I feel like the album actually has more of an impact when you rather than play it on shuffle or throw it into a playlist and uh, just hear a random song here and there. I feel like the album is more impactful when you actually listen to it start to finish, because it feels yeah. like. And this, I don't know if this was something it, you intended. It's meant by, to be listened. To, yeah, it's, it it's a movie. It tells a story. Exactly. Yeah, it's supposed to be. I, I mean, and this is one of the, f I don't know how many you've done between this, but I remember you released a video for Burned by the Sun as well, which I watched and I loved. And it's the first video I think I remember seeing of yours since Sweep the Leg. Yeah. Oh, wow. I, I don't know it how actually many other. Yeah. No, that is the first official, and it felt weird doing it for that reason too. So, so for No More Kings, we had Sweep the Leg, and then we did, our next video was animated. So it wasn't even a live action video. It was mm -hmm. uh, Michael. Uh, the, the Knight Rider song. So for No More Kings, that's it. There's only those two music videos. And then anything else we did was, was uh, artwork animated. You know, like yeah. I think there was, I did a video for Tracy's song, but that was all watercolor artwork. And so there were, there were other videos, but never, so Sweet the Leg was it. You're right. So this is the first time that I've been like on camera for a song since Sweet the Leg. That's funny. I didn't think about that. Yeah, I mean, and it's 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 really well done. It's really well produced, and it really really puts across the feel and the tone because the the whole album itself has a much darker tone than anything I've heard you produce. Totally, yeah, and totally. it really made me think about it because you know you your album kicks off with "Burned by the Sun" and then you you lead out with an acoustic version of Bur yep. "Burned by the Sun," and I don't know like if this is something you've talked about or something you've thought about doing. I honestly think you could do a short film to which this <laughs> album that was the intention. Okay. Do yeah, that was the intention. Short, yeah, doing a short film where this actually this is the soundtrack. I love I love that your brain's going there. That's that was absolutely the intention. So I, I created the video for Burn for Burn by the Sun from the the um stuff that I filled for the short film. Okay. So there's more footage that I got from that session that I intended and then you know I got caught up in other things. So it's gonna take me a lot longer than I wanted to make this short film, mm -hmm. but the intention is to continue to make video content for each of the songs that eventually I'll string together into exactly a short film that, uh, so the, the narrative of the short film will be basically what you've seen in the, in the movie. This, this lone drifter discovers his family that needs his help, saves them. And then they run away because they're scared of him too. And then he, he realized, you know, whatever. So that's the very small piece of narrative that would be stretched out in the short film. And then there'd be a ton of, um, you ever seen the movie tree of life? Uh, I, I think, I think I have, but it's been a while since okay. I've, since I've seen the only it. reason I bring that up is, um, that was the first kind of movie that I've seen done this way where it's like, there's a narrative and then in between the chapters of the narrative are these really crazy, um, visually abstract, like moving through the dinosaurs, moving through space, moving through, you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. then you jump back into the story. So connected in, in, in the sense of like artistically and thematically, they're still connected. They're still telling the same story, but it feels like almost like an anthology you know it feels like these separate stories you know what i'm saying yeah um, so i want my film to be that where there's bits of audio from each of the songs but they're not music videos as such it's not like your the short film is not going to be a collection of music videos do you know what i mean mm -hmm. it's uh, it's still a narrative arc but it's going to have these 
moments of um, abstract exploration of the theme, I guess yeah. is what I'm getting but no, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, when listening to the album and especially after watching the video for Burned by the Sun, that's exactly where my brain went. Like, I think that's like awesome. it, it so does, cool it does like all of your other albums in the past, like I, I throw into a playlist and I, you know, I get excited anytime any of them pop up. I, I think there have even been times I've tweeted at you on Twitter when a song pops up and I'm just right. like, oh, this is fun. I'm just going to tweet this to Pete. I'm listening <laughs> to, uh, you know, I'm listening to Jump In right now and it's, you know, and, you know, and it goes from there. But uh, yeah, this is an album that is definitely lends itself better when you listen to it start to finish because it does all connect and it does tell a story. Yeah, I'm glad that you feel that way and that you discovered that on your own because I feel like not all my albums are going to do that. Like you said, all the No More King stuff, do not do that. You can listen to them in order. They're, they're a collection of songs from mm -hmm. that period. And I'm not always going to do this. Sometimes I just want to collect my 10 most recent songs. But there, there's this drive in me also sometimes to tell larger stories and to use. And the reason I say that uh, is a movie, it's not literally a movie, but it's written where you follow the arc of this, these two characters through the whole thing. Yeah. And it ends kind of, I mean, abstractly with probably the death of, of, the, of the main character, you know, mm -hmm. um, in, in the um, piano song at the end, Shape from the Light, Find Shape from the Light. You know, if he doesn't actually die, he definitely feels like he's going to. And he's telling the other person to go on without him. You know, and and actually kind of works because when I listen to the album, because I I listened to it again before I talked to you, so I listened to it a short time before oh, cool. you and I started talking. I mean, and it, it plays out that even the acoustic version of of Burned by the Sun would almost be the end credits of the movie. Totally, totally, yeah. exactly. And and I, I I did that on purpose as a reprise. It's supposed to be like exactly. It's a callback to where we started, but instead of the heavy hitting tribal drums from the beginning, high energy stuff. Now it's the somber, like yeah, the credits are rolling. Wow, that's exactly yeah. So, awesome, yeah, man. We're on, we're on the same wavelength. It works. I love it. That's one of the reasons why I have so much fun every time I have you on. Um, I want to bring something up. I want I want to break away from the album for a second. We'll go back to it. But I thought of, I, I thought of something that I don't think I've told you yet, and it, I was reminded of it when we were talking about the zombie songs. Um, and I want to bring it up before I forget about it. Um, about four or five years ago, I had an opportunity to meet um, Russell Striner. Who, if you the guy who played John, uh, the guy that played Johnny, yes, holy crap, in uh, Night of the Living Dead, yes, the the one who says it, he actually asked me to do an impression of it because he wanted to hear if I could do it, so I did it, and I actually because I interviewed him when I met him, so I actually brought up your song, "We're Coming to Get You, Barbara." And he was interested, so I played it for him. Oh, that's amazing. So that's Russell good. Striner. I heard that um, Judith O'Day had heard it too. At some okay. Point, somebody was able to get it in front of her. Yeah. Um, that's exciting to know that he, he heard it too. That's yeah. so cool. And, and he enjoyed it. So I figured you would, you would appreciate that. I love, you know, it's weird, man. I'm super glad to hear that. Uh, and thank you for doing that because that's really cool. One of my favorite things is if there's a chance for the subject of the song that I write to hear the song. And this happened to me weirdly several times so the first major time was obviously sweep the leg you know mm -hmm. but that song had got in front of billy zappa who plays johnny in the original movie and then that snowballed and became what it became but that wasn't the only time that that happened so uh tracy song got in front of eugene cernan the, the last guy to walk on the moon and his daughter tracy who the song is about mm -hmm. and they both got a chance to hear that song before eugene died um which is crazy to me uh enter the dragon the bruce lee song his daughter shannon lee heard has heard the song and that's awesome. like I know it's so weird to me. Yeah. It's so weird to me. There's all these situations where the subject matter of the song got a chance to hear hear the song. Yeah. What uh, was it? Was it Zombie Me that ended up in an episode of Psych? 
Um, or, no, they're coming to get you, Barbara. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Okay. I knew yeah, it was one of the zombie the nightmare, ones. It was the Nightmare on, um, not Elm Street, but Nightmare on Something Street. Yeah. Street episode yeah. Of, of, yeah. And it's so funny, like, how ingrained, because it's, it's because of Sweep the Leg that you and I met. Um, I, I don't know if you remember it or not, but you were out here with No More Kings to Preston and Steve in Philadelphia. Yeah. And I was working for them at the time. So that's right, how you that's and I met right. and got connected. Um, and I loved the video. Wasn't because, Jason Schwartzman like the next guest that day? I think, yeah, I think he was. I remember running into him and being like, holy crap, I love that guy. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, 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 it's there's been so many guests in and out. No, I know, I, I know. Think I, you're right. It wouldn't it wouldn't stick out to you, but it stuck out to me because it was the you know. Yeah. So I mean, that, yeah. that's how you and I first got connected, and then over the years we've stayed connected, and you know, podcast visits and Facebook and things like that. But it's always fun, like hearing they're coming to get you, Barbara, on Psych. Um, you know, you mentioned like visually what I see when I hear songs. We, we talked about the Night Rider song, which is Jump In. At the time that song came out, there was a Knight Rider reboot that was that. currently on I remember NBC. that. We were like mad that we didn't get it on that, sh that show. And there was a part of me that when I, was, when I was hearing the lyrics and I was picturing it, I pictured the cast of that show in the music video just because oh I remember God, that seeing, great. I remember, you know, you got the cast of The Karate yeah. Kid. In well, we tried so to get, we got it in front of David Hasselhoff and then like for reason another i think that was right when the scandal hit with him okay uh, where he's like drunk on the floor of a hotel room eating a cheeseburger yelling mm -hmm. at his daughter like bad timing yeah but um <laughs> we had got in front of uh, we got it in front of him and he wanted to do the video so the original video for that was going to be exactly the same plot as the one we did for as an animated video but it was gonna be live action and so okay. when that got scrapped we just decided to make it animated instead and we had the animated version of david hasselhoff at the end that would have been the real version. Okay. There's, I don't know if you watch it or not, but there's still a part of me that's waiting for Sweep the Leg to pop up in Cobra Kai. I, so I just found out that their season three is going to be Netflix now, mm -hmm. which is great news for them because that's a much larger audience than YouTube Red was. Um, I'm still holding out hope. I haven't actually officially, I mean, I'm still in touch with Billy. We're still friends, but I, and I'm very happy for all of his success, obviously, but I'm a little bit with you. I'm like, dude, just play it. Just yeah. play the song. That would be so cool. I'm waiting for it because I, I think hopefully they reach out to you soon to do that because I think it would just be a great I, fit. I feel like the ship has sailed, but I, I, I could be wrong. I hope. I don't know. It would be great. I hope not. I, I hope Because in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, it was like the impetus for it. You know, in a lot of ways, it's sort of like it let Cobra Kai be able to happen because it mm -hmm. put, it put Karate Kid back in the zeitgeist in, in a way, right? Like it, it got everybody back together again. So I think it sparked the interest, you know, having Ralph Macchio and Billy Zapka in the same room together. You know what I mean? And there's a, there's an ending of um, Sweep the Leg that we didn't use that I wish we used. So, you know, in the ending of that video where Ralph Macchio hits him with his car, he flies mm -hmm. over, Ralph checks his teeth and off. There was another ending where Ralph got out of the car to check on him. And okay. And he's twitching and his roller skates and he pops up, sees Ralph and like immediately thinks it's the fight. So he snaps into his stance. Ralph snaps into his stance and for a second they square off. And then, and then Billy, I mean, then Ralph drives away and Billy grabs on the car and it's like a whole funny ending, but like there's that <laughs> moment of like, they get a shit. Cause even in the music video, Billy's squaring off with me in a Ralph Macchio role, but I'm not Ralph Macchio clearly, you know? Mm -hmm. So to get that one still image, that one shot of modern day Billy and Ralph squaring off. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So have that you, have, I feel like. Have you been watching Cobra Kai at all? Have you watched it? You know, it's funny. I, I haven't. I haven't seen any of it yet. I, I think the reason was at first because it was YouTube Red. And I was like, oh, I don't 
well, I don't want anything else on this network. I'll wait until it comes to something else. I probably will have to watch it now before it comes on Netflix because I definitely want to see it when it's on Netflix. But mm-hmm. I need I need two seasons to catch up. Yeah, it, I've heard great things about it. It's Looks not great. hard to catch up. The the seasons I think are only ten episodes, and okay. they're all like half hour episodes. I think you can knock them out and. Oh, that's great. You can knock them out in a day. Um, but yeah, it's really good. But, uh, you know, I, I simply brought that up because of Sweep the Leg, which is still, it's still one of those songs that when I, it pops up on my playlist, like I, I love singing along. That. <laughs> that's awesome. Know, it's, it's one of my favorites. I um, showed friends that video the other night. I used to show everybody that I would meet. <laughs> and then I, I guess I, I guess I, it's been long enough since that I stopped. And so I had these people that I've known for a while over. And it came up in conversation. Oh, they were asking me about Chuck Liddell at one point, the, the mm-hmm. MMA. Like, oh, I met him. And you were like, you met him? And I was like, yeah, we were doing press for Sweep the Leg. And he was like, what's Sweep the Leg? And I was like, I never showed you Sweep the Leg. And he was like, no. It's like, holy crap. Sit down. <laughs> so I showed him Sweep the Leg. And we new, loved it. And new it was, blood. Yeah, no, that's exactly what it was. But it surprised <laughs> me. It was like, oh, yeah, I forgot that. I, I forget to show people that sometimes. Because it was such a huge part of my life. It's probably the coolest thing I ever did. But at this point, it's like 13 years ago. Yeah. Like I'm an old man now. Like that but was I mean, a long time ago. But I mean, even still, like it's, it's one of those things that like, I, you know, I, I'm not you obviously, but if that were me, like I would be, like you said, I would be incredibly proud of that because not only was it a song so that found traction online, you know, a lot of people heard it and you got to do a lot of great things because of it. I mean, you had Billy Zabka and Ralph Macchio right? and, and Martin Cove. All yes. in the video. Yes. And Pat Johnson, the original choreographer and the referee. Like, yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, oh, God. You, yeah, you I, pulled together the cast of Cobra Kai before Cobra Kai. And that's, I guess that's what I was getting at earlier in saying yeah. that I think in a lot of ways this was the, um, the demo for Cobra mm-hmm. Kai. You know, this like allowed everybody to go, hey, wait, let's do this again. This could happen, you know? Yeah. And so no, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not saying that No More Kings needs credit for that. I'm just, but I'm saying it would be really nice to call back to that, to feature this, like you said, to feature the song in, in season three would be a great way of saying to any of any of the Cobra Kai fans that happen to know the No More King song, they'd be like, holy crap, this is where it started, you know? You just, just send Billy a text and just nudge him a little bit. Yeah, just be like, hey man. Hey, remember that music video you did with me with, with Malchio and Cove? Like, well, know. he was the reason that we got the, the song on the Psych, actually, because he was on that episode, Nightmare in Oh, that's right. I forgot yeah, about that. He was the only reason we got that song in Psych. So he's, you know, he's... Always, always kind of looking out for, for me, I guess. He, he has some, he's, he's somebody I would, it's so weird too, because, you know, if I had to choose between him and Machio to get on my podcast, I would choose Billy. Um, just because I feel like, I feel like he would be a much more interesting and more fun. I was just going to say that I'm biased because I'm his friend, but he would be more fun to talk to. Rob yeah. Machio is an amazing, really, really sweet guy, great guy, but Billy Dude, that guy is a firecracker, and he's so I, funny. I, I mean, you look at some of the stuff that they, and th- now we're going into our geek out moments. But you know, the, you know, you look at some of the stuff you've done. They, they've both done in the past. Like, obviously, Machio has done things like The Outsiders, My Cousin Vinny, and you know, and The Karate Kid. But you know, you look at some of the stuff that Billy has done. You know, whether it's cameoing on Psych or the couple episodes of How I Met Your Mother that he did. Like, I, yeah, I do. I feel like he would be much more fun. Hundred percent. And he's somebody I, I do plan to reach out to to try and get on this podcast. And if I am able to accomplish that, I'm, I'm going to nudge him a little bit about, great. you know, about yeah, the, the No More King sweep the leg on. Uh, yeah, I, it feels, it feels too self-serving for me to bring it up to him. So I <laughs> yeah. that's why I haven't yet. But um, I think, yeah, I think he needs to hear it. <laughs> I'll do it. <clears throat> there, was, there was actually a part of me. I was trying to work it out the last time you and I talked where I actually, I actually reached out to his people 
and he wasn't available at the time, I was actually going to try and get him to jump into our last oh, conversation wow. and not tell you. I would have crapped myself. I, 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 it's that's been how, a year since I've talked to him, so I would have crapped myself. That's great. That's why I, that's why I was trying to make it happen, but unfortunately oh he wasn't available at the time. So, okay. um, But I do. I plan on reaching out and trying to get him on, on the podcast. Well, if you get him on, I'll pop in and scare him. Oh, there we go. That'll work. <laughs> I'll just message you and be like, hey, Billy's yeah, coming on. Pop in right now. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things I've, I've talked to you about before and – you know, when you compare the music of No More Kings to your solo work, you know, you obviously you've done like a, we mentioned the uh, moving on up cover that you did on the mm-hmm. last album. Welcome back, Cotter. The, the covers that you do and the pop culture kitschy stuff that you do, like I don't want me kitschy is like an insult. But no, I know. Exactly um, what I, I don't feel like that. Way. You know, it's all great and it's all fun and it's stuff that you can just throw random in. But, you know, I remember telling you this a, a while back. I think the first time we talked some of my favorite stuff that you've done has been your original stuff. I mean, yeah. going back to, I think it was the first No More Kings album with the song This. Yeah. You know, that's my favorite song on that album. Oh, thanks, you know, all, the, all the pop culture stuff is, is great, but this, because it was original and it was just such a great written song. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I liked Musings on Mars, which was your last album, and then this album as well. I, I love your original stuff. Thanks, so. you, man. Yeah, it's weird. I... I love everything I've done with No More Kings, but I'm prouder of this m- most recent album because because of that. I feel like it's deeper. There's something more meaningful there. It sits it sits with me a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I feel like when I'm thinking about those kinds of stuff, like I love Super Leg. I love uh, Jump Michael Jump In. I love Robots Don't Cry. I love the pop culture songs. They're fun. They're fun. Mm-hmm. But that's it. They're kind of like, that's all they are. Yeah. No, that's not all they are. Uh, I, I know what you mean. Though. Yeah. yeah, there's musicality there. But I agree with you when I, when I think of a song like Umbrella or this or Someday or, you know, something that has a little more meat and introspection. Now, for me, I think the reason, like when I think about my favorite bands like the Beatles or Radiohead or bands that like, for me, did that effortlessly, did deep stuff and then effortlessly did silly stuff. Mm-hmm. I know Radiohead, people don't think of Radiohead as being silly, but if you listen to some of their stuff, they're very dry and very witty and very sarcastic. They have, they do have tremendous wit. Most of their stuff is like, people always say like, it's music to slit your wrist to, you know, like the most of yeah. their stuff is very, very uh, somber and introspective. But I find myself, and I don't know if you could relate to this being a self-proclaimed extrovert introvert. I find myself writing that line too, where I very can often. Okay. Yeah. So you get it. And maybe that's why you connect with those songs uh, the same way that I do. I feel like I need both sides of myself. I need both halves. I need to be introspective and, and like, you know, a little bit moody, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, like put my head against the window of the train and just kind of watch. I, and then I also need the silly, fun, like funk, funk bass lines. Like I want that too. Yeah. I want both. It, it kind of goes, I mean, it's it for, sometimes with me, it's almost like a switch. I mean, like, you know, where it's one opposite end to the other the next day. I mean, one day I'll be listening to, you know, we, we talked about it earlier, Logan. Like, I love scores from film. Yeah. I, lis- I listen to them quite often. I mean, when we play d and I'm listening to the soundtrack of Lord of the Rings and things like that. Nice. I, it's kind of like my background noise. I throw that up on Spotify while everybody else is talking. Um, you know, but there'll be a day where I'll just, I'll sit and I'll pop on, you know, the, the, the score to Logan, um, oh, wow. which is a very darker, you know, uh, sure. darker yeah, tone yeah. of music. And then the next day, I'll be listening to Poppy Motown on my turntable. I'll, I'll pop yeah. on a vinyl album, and it's a completely different side of the spectrum the next day. I think day. that might be, right? Like, that might be, like, how, how you 
course correct and center yourself. Like you never want to go too much. Oh, did I freeze? I can still hear you. Oh, okay. Your, yeah. video, your, your video froze. Okay. You're good now. <laughs> Sorry. No, I was no, just saying fine. that like, that might be how you course correct. You know, you don't ever want to lean too much on one side. You frivolous and silly. You need the other stuff to balance you out, but you don't ever want to sink too deeply into the dark side. So you have the, you know, it might be a way of yin and yanging ourselves. I, I, like you're probably right. It could, it's, it's a way to right the ship when you realize yeah. it's probably starting to tilt one way. Right. You got to throw some weight on here. the other side. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's I mean, and, and I think it's the same way with things that I watch as well. I mean, you know, I, I know lately, I mean, there's so much stuff out there that I have yet to see for the first time. Like I haven't watched The Watcher, you know, Twilight Zone, Black Mirror. Like there's all these things that wow. I, 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 I want to watch, but yet I find myself more often than not going through episodes of The Office, Parks and Rec. Yeah, you need the silly stuff. And it's because with everything going on in the world right now, Totally I feel agree. like that's that's my course correction. Yeah, like, your, your daily newsfeed is already darker than anything Black Mirror is going to do. So you might as well. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I feel like and that's it, why I turn more to those things I've seen before because they're comfortable because I already know them. Sure. Yeah. And when things are right again, when the world is right again, you'll be more ready for some darker stuff because you'll need you know you'll need to satisfy that part of your brain a little bit too. You know. Yeah. I mean, even, oh. in, even in gaming, like, I don't know how much of a gamer you are, um, but I, I recently went back and replayed The Last of Us because the sequel was coming out. Yeah, and that's right. And that game is so dark in itself. So dark. And then I'm hearing the second one is even so much darker than the first that after I pl- replayed that first one, I'm like, I, I need a break. Like, I'm not yeah. jumping into the second one. I feel like there's no coming back from that. No, I'm yeah. with you. And it's not even, like, for me, what's so interesting about that game is the the story and the, the narrative arc, which is super dark and lands you in a place of feeling kind of gross about yourself. Yeah. You know, when that final reveal hits, you're like, uh, that was me. I did that, you know, but the gameplay itself also adds to that because it's mm. kind of nasty, but it's also kind of super like, like high intensity sphincters clenched the whole time. Cause you <laughs> want to get a clicker. So like, yeah, I'm with you, man. That's a, that's a, I, I, there's a bunch of like that. So like days, days came out recently and got, tried to get into that. Have you gotten into that one? It's, it's I haven't played similar. that one yet. It's uh, similar. It's um not, you know, plant-based zombies, but they're like still feral running creatures and you're running around on a motorcycle the whole time. Um, and then even Death Stranding, which I love, but there's a bunch of games in a row that started coming out that were super dark like that. And the theme mixed with the, the like, you know, sphincter clenching gameplay, the fact mm-hmm. that like, I'm going to get, my butt kicked at any moment right now something about that i can't do for very long so i always go back to skyrim where i'm like oh my god i run around with my sword well, and, everything. and then so as i was playing the last of us um i'm a big fan as you know zombies are sure you know are, are uh, pure pop culture food sure. for us um you know resident they they remastered a bunch of the resident evil games PlayStation put the first remaster of the original Resident Evil up on the PlayStation store for $5. And I'm like, oh, I'm wow. not going to play this, but I'm going to buy it so that right. I have it to play right. later. So after <coughs> Last of Us, I jumped into, I don't know if you've played it, but I jumped into Horizon Zero Dawn. No, I haven't. Which is, is a, an absolutely... A PC game. Is it or no? What is it? Is it only a PC game? No, it's PlayStation. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a PlayStation exclusive. Um but it's oh. an absolutely breathtaking, gorgeous game that it's apocalyptic, but it's not so dark as The Last of Us. Oh, that's, I'm going to get that. That sounds awesome. I th- and I think it's available right now. Like you can get the ultimate edition for like 20 bucks. 
That's amazing. I don't yeah. know why. I, I've never seen the thumbnail. For some reason, I thought I, I, Steam. I thought it was only a, I must be wrong. I'm wrong. No, nope. nope. PlayStation. And the only That's reason why cool. I even thought about it was because PlayStation 5 just did their big reveal thing like two weeks ago. Yeah. And one of the videos that they showed is Horizon Forbidden West, which is the sequel to Zero. Oh, Dawn. nice. So I started playing it and like I've put 20 hours into it and I'm not even close to done. Oh, wow. Yeah. So those are the kind of games where I know I can like dive into for a while sure. and just completely escape. Yeah, sure. No, I'm with you. I'm, I'm short-term obsessive. And so I think that's part of why um, when it's a super dark, uh, high-intensity game, like I'll play it for a couple weeks and then I'll need a break. You know, yeah. I'll just need to like cool out <laughs> for a yeah. little bit. I'm the same exact way. Um, so in Measured 100 Weight uh, is out now. What what lies in the future? I know you said you mentioned you're working on another album um, with... Uh, Here's my problem. I'm working on about seven albums. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I don't think that's a problem in the current state of the country right now, though. You know, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. So I've always had... You know, it's funny. This is, this is probably too long of a conversation to get into here um, as we wrap this up. But I do want to... Maybe this is a conversation for another episode. Um, I have what I thought up until recently was a problem with uh, like, I'm super distractible and I'm super, I uh, short, like I said, I'm short term obsessive, which means if the project is completable within that short time frame, I'm going to rock it. But once it extends past that time period, I lose steam, I lose interest, something shinier pops up that I want to do. And so I've got like, honestly, seven albums that are probably 70 to 80% ready to release on my hard drive. And I just can't bring myself to pick which one to, to finish. That that sounds like me when it comes to screenwriting. Like I have really? I have scripts started for for screenplays that I want to go. I'll start. I started with one. I get like a good way through it, and then I think of an idea for another one, totally, and then totally. I jump into that one before I lose that train of thought. Right. And then I'll think of something to go back to the other one. I'll go a little bit backwards, and then I'll think of a third one. I no lie. I think have about. I think like probably nine scripts started. Oh, wow. And so you are definitely and, as bad as me. And none of them, I, I think the furthest any of them are like 50%. Because I just, I keep No, I, exactly. It, now, if you gave yourself like a focused week, you would finish one. But, but you yeah, can't, maybe. But you can't, I'm the same way. If I just gave myself like a week or two, like say I said, all right, for two weeks, I'm going to finish this album. I actually started making float like spreadsheets with like color coded how far along they are. And I was, I made a whole thing. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not allowed to touch any of the ones that are green until I finish the one that's purple. Like whatever, like it doesn't work, but I yeah. tried. I really I tried. I actually ended up going as far as buying myself a, um, a digital voice recorder. I have one of those in my car for the exact same reason. So that if I come up with an idea, I don't have to jump away from the one. I'm no, totally. With. I can just say it in here and then go back to that's this. hysterical. That is literally, that's exactly how I did it for the exact same reason. Cause I was like, I can't keep getting derailed but yeah. I want to document this. Um, I actually made a habit for myself uh, every day at lunch of uh, before I go to lunch, I would do that. I would record audio, you know, and I'd go get lunch. And then while I'm eating my lunch, I would play back the audio that I just recorded and then type notes so that I have physical notes. Dude, I've been, I know this is an audio <laughs> podcast, but I will show you. I've been printing out these notes. Oh, wow. Dude. Yeah. This is crazy. So this is six years worth of, so each one of these is a separate year, but each one of these years is 500 pages. It, it literally, I mean, to anybody who's um, obviously listening and couldn't see it, it, the notebooks that you held up looked like they could have been the Lord of the Rings novels. Yeah. Those <laughs> they're as long. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And they're all full of like stuff I want to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have the time to do it. 
Well, I mean, but like you said, your life hasn't really changed that much. So it's right. not like you do have additional time. It's, well, it's, 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 it's never been an issue of time. Honestly, it's been an issue of, uh, focus time management, maybe yeah. focus, maybe, but I guess what I was going to say earlier, and it seems like you, you echo this sentiment. Um, I think it's just in our DNA to be that way, to be kind of scattered. And I, hearing you say it makes me even feel more this way. I think it's kind of a superpower. I don't think it's a limitation because the fact that you have that many, some people struggle to get one screenplay out of them. In a yeah. lifetime. The fact that you effortlessly have nine going on right now, it's a bit of a pain in the butt to, to wrangle them and get one of them finished. The same way it is for me with, with albums. Like I, I really want to get another one out, but I don't ever want to go. So I went like three years between albums and I don't ever want to do that again. I want to, I want to put an, at least an LP, at least a full length album out every, every year. And then hopefully an additional EP along with it. Um, so the next thing I'm going to do is going to be an EP, like probably a four or five song just to get something mm -hmm. out, you know? And well, I mean, so and you, like, like you said, you know, you did the production on your last album yourself, uh, you know, with the exception of Neil doing the mixing. So, I mean, that's something that now that you've done that, you, you know that you can do it, which exactly. I think would probably push you a little bit further because you know that you don't have to wait you're you're not limited to the number of steps you can take with the album like you can That's exactly right you wouldn't have to go so far and then wait for it to be produced now That's you can exactly do the production right. part of yourself and, and yeah for years i always assumed i would need someone to produce my stuff so i always assumed i was going to write a demo you know get my acoustic out write some lyrics demo it and then give it to somebody better than me to make to make the full out song and this was the first time i realized you know what for the kind of music i want to make Cause I'm not a, I'm not a flashy guitar player. I'm not a, I don't play piano very well. Like I'm not that kind of instrumentalist. I'm not going to play the kind of stuff that you'll hear on a No More Kings album. Neil is a off the charts, Olympic level guitarist. You know what I mean? So I, I'm not going to compete with that level of musicianship. But what I realized is no one's going to get tone the way that I do for what I'm trying to do. So I don't think if I think if I went to any other producer, I don't think I would have ended up with the same album with my, my version of a measure underweight because no, I'd have a really hard time describing my tone and the vibe and the apocalyptic textures and the nature that I, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. of that album. So I just, I would just do it myself. And anyway, to your, so to your point, now that I know that I can, I completely agree with you. That opens up a whole new world of me to be like, there are some albums that I'm going to want a producer to do because it's a, it's a, like I might want to do something that's very dancey. I'm terrible at that. So let's get somebody that knows that world. And I'll do what, you know, I'll just sing and write the lyrics, which is what I do, you know, but there are other times when I want to craft a environment and I want to craft a cinematic kind of, you know, landscape with sound. And that, I think it's going to have to be me. I'm going to have to do that myself. Yeah. And now yeah, I, mean, I know I, I can. I, I kind of feel like almost the same way with writing and everything too. Like there's a part of me as I work on a script, which I really should get one done because I've seen articles lately that apparently Netflix is looking for more content to. Yes. So I well, really feel like this, I we had a, we had a huge dra drought. Um, we are in a position right now where when theaters open back up, they have nothing to show. There's nothing to show. Exactly. And same thing with Netflix. Like they've run out of, they've run out because there was a huge six month period, you know, about where nothing was being filmed. So I agree with you. Like if, if you've got nine screenplays that are 50% really should start find a way. Yeah. But I mean the same way, as far as like you writing the album and then finding someone to produce it and not realizing like doing the production yourself, because you don't think a producer not to their, 
not to their lack of talent, but just wouldn't picture it the same way you would. Totally. I would almost feel like it would be the same way with a writer finding a director for their script is like, okay, is this director really going to see this the way I imagined it as I wrote it? Right. right. You know, which. And the answer is probably no, they probably won't. Probably not. But you know, sometimes you look at like John Krasinski with a quiet place Oh my like God. he wrote it and directed it and started it. And, and the music was, the music was, the movie was fantastic. No, it's a masterpiece. Cause he directed his own vision, which. Yeah. That know. doesn't always work. So there's a, uh, not to derail this conversation, but uh, <laughs> there's, um, I love Michelle Gondry, my favorite directors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's a decent writer, but when he tries to direct his own writing, I think. So there that may happen. It doesn't always happen, but there's something that might happen with, um, like, and maybe George, George Lucas might be a good example of this too. The, the reason the first three Star Wars, when I say the first year, I mean the ones. The prequels. Yep. Yeah, the prequels. The reason those are so um, successful and effective is because he has great sense of world building. He's got great sense of, of these epic storylines and characters and this hero's journey kind of vibe. But he's, he, you know, terrible with dialogue. He's terrible with uh, exposition. You know, there's things that he's bad about. And having other writers, other directors, and other editors do flesh that vision out for him made sure that those films were fantastic. Yeah. When he's so big that, that he's surrounded by yes men and, and he's tried to do everything himself. I think the middle three suffer from that because he's not good at those other things. He's a great story envisioner, but not necessarily a great storyteller. Wait, wait, are, are you saying that you think the prequels are better than the original three? I'm saying, <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, is, oh, okay. That was, no, that was sarcasm, right? No, I'm, yes, it was absolutely so. Okay, I'm sorry. (laughs) No, No, for a second, I thought we were talking about the wrong order of the movies. Uh, Yeah, I'm talking about New Hope, (laughs) Empire Strikes Back, and Jedi being fantastic, complete films. Yes, okay. Yeah, that needed someone else to help George Lucas's vision. Yes. And I'm talking about, (laughs) yeah, Phantom Menace, uh, yeah, those three not being effective. They're not terrible, but they're not effective. No, I agree. I mean, and they're, you know, usually when I'm rewatching the, the, the saga, even like, even as I rewatched the saga before Rise of Skywalker, I think I skipped one through three. I don't think I, I no, actually, I, I take that back. I watched three only because it was three is great. Three, three feels like it connects. It's like the weakest of, the, of that group of four. Like if you say A New Hope, you know, uh, Strikes Back and, and, and um, I'm sorry, Empire Strikes Back and then Jedi. And then you add, uh, uh, what was the last one called? Attack, is it uh, Revenge of the Sith? Yes. Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Uh, those four as a group feel cohesive. They feel like mm-hmm. they belong together, even though, in my opinion, that one is still the weakest. But watching how Vader becomes Vader is incredibly... And that's the reason compelling. why I threw it in, was because you get to see how Vader becomes Vader. And that's, totally. That's how I yeah, it's very compelling. That, um, that was the best. Yeah, I feel like if I don't wrap this now, we're just going to talk for like another hour. <laughs> yeah, we need something for the next which, episode. Which is fine. I mean, yeah, it's absolutely. We need, and hopefully it's not another, you know, two or three years before we do this because if you continue to put new stuff out, like I can't wait to hear, you know, whether it's a, a television show theme homage or it's more <laughs> original music. Like I, I can't wait to hear it. So um, one of the things I want to mention real quick, and then this is kind of working towards leading out because I want everybody to know how they can follow you on social media. You know, you mentioning learning how to produce your own, 
your own album this time around. One of the things I really liked about your social media page is the fact that you do little videos about like all like the the toys that you use. I don't want to say toys, but uh, instruments. No, yeah, I call them toys. Yeah, the gadgets. The gadgets that you use to make all the sounds and put all yep. the production together. So the learning curve that you went through to learn how to produce it, people can follow along with it because you're posting that stuff online, which I think is great. Thanks, man. You know, it's funny that I hear you, to hear you say that. I, um, I never thought that would be particularly interesting to people from that perspective. It was something I was compelled to share because like you said, I was learning this stuff and I was interested in it and mm -hmm. I was excited about it and I wanted to show people like, this is how I got here. This is how this song came about. But I wasn't sure people would be interested in that aspect of it, the, the like how to or the, or the journey aspect. But I, to hear you say it, I think that's kind of cool. Maybe that's something I should spend a little more time on this idea of here's how I'm learning how to do this. And maybe if you can, if you people like this stuff and could get something similar, mm -hmm. you know, show me what you make with this kind of yeah. procedure. Great. I just, I, I just gave you something else to put on your list of things yeah, there to you do go. after, after thing, everything else that you already have on your list is <laughs> putting that stuff online. <laughs> uh, to wrap this up, how can people find you online and how can they listen to in measure 100 weight? So in measure 100 weight is Spotify. Um, and uh, actually Apple Music. So it's on all the streaming places. Yep, um, I Music as well, because that's how I listen to yep. it. Is that how you do it? Okay. Yep. Um, do you, so you do, okay. So they have a streaming Prime. Right? Amazon has Prime Music, yep. That's right. I always forget about them as an option. Um, so my favorite place for people to check the album out is Bandcamp, however, because Bandcamp to me feels like the underdog of, of indie music. It just feels a little more special. Uh, it's not quite so high retail as the other places are. So I would, you know, bandcamp.com slash DOSPD. I'm D-A-S-P-E-T-E-Y, DOSPD on everything. So DOSPD on Twitter, DOSPD on Instagram, DOSPD on Facebook. You've been DOSPD as long as I've known you too. Since, since, like there, since email was available. It was my first email address. For some reason, I had just watched the movie DOS Boot and I was like, DOSPD. DOSPD. thought it was going to be fun. It's 20 years later and I'm still have it hey but um still works yeah that's how you find me yeah why not yeah um pete thanks so much for doing this again and oh, I, I again i hope it's not a uh uh, too long of a time before I get to have you back on and uh, maybe even some point down the road I, I'm talking to you about putting a song of yours on a soundtrack for a movie that I wrote oh that'd be amazing which uh, you know it's funny that you said that so I just got uh, uh, a friend contacted me about doing the music for his zombie video game he's releasing a zombie video game on Steam and I just started doing the sound of that so I absolutely would to do movie scoring or any or soundtrack stuff. So yeah. absolutely hit me up about it, that. It'll be written by me, um, scored by scored or music by you starring Billy Zepka. I love this. I'm <laughs> in, I'm in. Um, all right, stick around. I'm just going to wrap up the interview, but uh, to everybody else, make sure you check out um, uh, Pete on all of on Bandcamp. Listen to hundred measure weight. It's a great album. Like I said, listen to it start to finish so that you get the full, uh, the, the full impact of the album itself uh, and then as for me make sure you check out all of the other podcasts on the Next Level Podcast Network and until next time we'll see you guys further on down the road see ya I died last night tripped over my own shoelaces I broke my spine fell on the sidewalk and I Landed on my face and I thought What a way to go 
Hey. 